0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays jumpers, Jaren Jackson Jr., Sean Marantz, Joe Johnson, Josh Raps. Of course, we've got Jays. We got them for days. Josh, how you doing?
1: I guess we just need to make it a policy of picking a 15 seed to make the Sweet 16 every year now.
0: A, a 15 and an 11, right?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: or at least or or 15 and somebody who played in. Well, never mind. Just an eleven because one of our, none of our first four teams are in yeah. are still dancing, yeah. correct? Well, we need to pick at least one because we've got two of them. We've got one, two, three, four. We got four of our sixteen teams remaining that are double digit seeds. Yep. It was predictably wild. The first four days, of the NCAA tournament first two rounds well i suppose it's the first three rounds now since the play since they're not playing games those teams made the ncaa tournament there are people who certainly make that clear that uh those are not playing games those are ncaa tournament games yeah. but the round of 64 and the round of 32 that's um, what i
1: called
0: yeah i figure if you just if you just stick with that then you can't be wrong right exactly. but we have a sweet 16 we have some teams that we were expecting to be there we have some teams that uh were expected to be there and got there in a relatively predictable fashion and we have teams that are there that nobody on god's green earth expected to be in the sweet 16 to still be playing in the month of march with just you know you know, two wins away from a Final Four, and there's some teams that are still playing that we weren't expecting. Josh, I think that the best way to go about this is just to go region by region, see what pops up in conversation, and I suppose since, um, since we might as well that we reassess predictions since, you know, there might be teams that no longer are there that we first predicted to be in the Sweet 16 in the first place.
1: Can we address one thing first? Please. Shaheen Holloway <laughs> managed to simultaneously get a, a Mac team to the Sweet 16. While a also Mac, having...
0: A yeah, Mac exactly. team.
1: Right. To the Sweet 16. While also having his alma mater's Big East head coach opening mm-hmm. available at the exact mm. same time which is just incredible
0: timing is a sweet thing isn't it yes
1: now I would also like to make the argument that had this not happened I still feel like he what might have been in consideration for this specifically for the Seton Hall job because of course he's a Seton Hall alum and he's coaching right there right his Mm -hmm. recruiting base his roots are in the northeast right and so Obviously, St. Peter's had a good season to get in a position where they could then win their conference tournament. So it's not like this came out of absolutely nowhere. And so maybe he would. I I'd like. I would like to think that he would have at least been on the radar for Scene Hall in particular because of his connections and the fact that he's coaching in the state already. But certainly doing this. I mean, that's got he, that that has to happen, right? Right. I would think to. so. I would think so. <laughs> That's
0: all. I just wanted to talk about that first. Yes. I mean, shouts to Shaheen Holloway and St. Peter's. That is at the very top of the, wow, I didn't think we would be here list. St. Peter's taking care of Kentucky in overtime, 85-79. And then, you know, by the end of the game, you know, 10.1 against Murray State, it's not like they were completely – you know, keeping them at a 10-point arm's length throughout the entire second half, but still made the plays down the stretch, and all of a sudden, here they are in the Sweet 16. We might as well start there. Let's just start in the East with St. Peter's. St. Peter's against Purdue. Three versus 15 there. 81-71. Purdue took 46 free throws against Texas. 46. Made 33 of them.
1: Slightly... Slight uh, size
0: advantage there. Yeah, and credit to their guys who shoot who were shooting a lot of free throws. I mean, it's not like it was the prettiest, but they made enough that like it was a viable offensive option to just keep going to the charity stripe. Eighty-one seventy-one, the final score there. Jaden Ivy, pretty slow game, honestly. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, a Purdue alum, and I was saying, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Jaden having taking three shots through the first 25 minutes of game time is, uh, is not enough, and it was a relatively quiet game for the presumed-to-be lottery pick here coming up in the spring, but knocked down a shot uh, to be – that really put Texas at arm's length, and at that point it was either – as long as Purdue really doesn't mess up, they were going to go to the Sweet 16. Finally, On top, finally but, beat Chris Beard, too. Finally beat Chris Beard. Yep. Chris Beard and that Texas team just kind of, I mean, Marcus Carr showed up in this game, but you just kind of, that's kind of where we were with Texas from the very beginning, just wanting a little bit more than we got from the Longhorns, but Purdue taking care of them uh, by 10, perhaps the craziest game of the tournament so far in the top half of the East between North Carolina and Baylor. It all started with the Brady Manick ejection, a flagrant two that was really just the, the poster child for a pretty disastrous uh, officiating so far in the, first four, in the first four days of the tournament. And you yeah, can th- chat this about was that the, if the, we want The worst,
1: singular worst call was the RJ Moendez technical Mm -hmm. in the Illinois game. I think the singular worst officiated game was this one. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't determine the outcome. It was so bad going both ways. But, right, you had that. You had just the... I mean, every time you thought, well, they can't miss another crucial one, they would miss another crucial call. Mm -hmm. And none of them were fixable. Yeah, it was... This had everything from the horrible officiating to the incredible comeback, the overtime, the flagrant to uh, Manic, who... Baylor just couldn't stop because that dude is playing on a whole other level right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this had this had everything.
0: I mean, for the record, Brady Man, like Brady Manic is playing really, really well, but there's no excuse for blowing a 25-point lead in 10 minutes. No excuse. I don't care. I don't care who you lose. You should be able to take care of not getting outscored by 25 in a 10-minute stretch. But right it's not like their things were helped by the officiating but you're not allowed to stand there at the end of regulation and be only pissed at the refs when you're the ones who gave up a 25 point lead
1: like i told you as this was happening i'll take scott drew over any coach in the country
0: and scott drew trust just just that's the facts and scott drew trust but and i really thought i was like man there's how do you come back from that if you're North Carolina and win the overtime? Yep. And they did just that. And you know, not just not just they managed to, you know, defend on the final possession. They won the game by seven. And with a minute left, it was kind of like, okay, unless UNC really messes up, then they're gonna go on to the Sweet 16. That was impressive to be able to pick yourself up like that at the in between regulation the end of regulation and overtime and show up in this in in the in the extra five minutes and end up winning the game because i thought there was no shot.
1: Yeah. And you got some strange lineups out there at the end because of so many guys had fallen out and then you know Matthew Meyer gets hurt and then comes back mm-hmm. in. It was romantics ejected. You had all kinds of bizarre I mean, Baylor maybe just ran out of gas a little bit, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The credit goes to Hubert Davis and that North Carolina team for regrouping and really controlling the overtime. And they're doing that thing again. When when it's clicking, and it doesn't necessarily have to be Caleb Love. particularly these last few games, it's been a lot of RJ Davis. He's been Mm -hmm. sensational. But you get a guard to pair with Bacon and Manic. And this this roster is built to play the way Hubert Davis wants to play. And when they get it going, they are incredibly dangerous on the offensive end. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of things that have to go right and they don't always go right, but they're playing fantastic basketball right now. And I think you and I both kind of felt as this was happening and they were jumping out to that huge lead, kind of looking at it going, really should have thought harder about picking that upset. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it, the Baylor's just... I didn't have a lot of faith that they were going to make a deep run because they were just so undermanned and you got two freshmen playing. James Akinjo has never been in a position like this before. And it's asking a lot when you, you're playing a team, regardless of how their season went, that's as talented as North Carolina, who's healthier than you and is playing good basketball. Now, we need to remember that they didn't even make the final of the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. They are not the hottest team in the country by any means. But they, they had put this good stretch together and obviously beating Duke-Helped and now they're doing in the NCAA tournament. And they are, they are a force. At this point, you just got to sort of disregard the seed. They're North Carolina and they're playing well.
0: But at the same time, if, they, if Baylor has any, any sort of LJ Cryer or Jonathan Chamochachwa, yeah, if you have 7% win. of either of them, right, you probably, they probably win the game. So it's weird because if you took the – First, you know, I think Matthew, my excuse me, uh, Brady Manic got ejected with like twelve minutes left or something, something like that. Ten yeah. to twelve, somewhere, 12 to somewhere in there. Sixteen, yeah, yeah, uh, somewhere in there. If you took that first thirty minutes of game time, then yeah, and, and, and then yes, I absolutely agree with what you're saying there. And if Brady Manic doesn't get ejected, it's probably, it's probably not anywhere near as close as it ended up being, probably not. Um, again, also, I'm not Baylor gonna,
1: shows up in the first half, you
0: know. Right, right. So that too. so the, there was certainly a stretch of this game where, yes, absolutely, North Carolina is North Carolina. They're playing well, and it doesn't matter what number is next to their name. But then you also saw the last 10 minutes, and if like if they've got that kind of collapse in them without Brady Manick on the floor, then they have some – some sort of collapse like that in them with Brady Manic on the floor. And that makes me a little nervous as you get deeper into, you know, deeper into the tournament against coaches that just are just as good as Scott Drew, you know, of, of elite caliber. I mean, you're going to play, if they get to the final four, they have to beat Mick Cronin and Matt Painter. That's not exactly a massive step down from Scott Drew. Right. Um, and you're going to be playing teams that aren't injured, so that's the only that's the only pause I have there. But with that being said, a you know you have a couple teams here that you expect to be here in UCLA and Purdue. You, both teams sort of taking care of business. UCLA's first round game against Akron was certainly not comfortable, but they end up winning that one, and then they kind of took care of St. Mary's in the round of the 32. Purdue. Purdue a twenty-two point one and a ten point win, and that's um that's not too bad. Uh, there aren't very many teams here that have multiple double-digit wins, uh, coming into coming into the Sweet Sixteen, and Purdue is one of them. So Purdue, Saint Mary's, North Carolina, UCLA. Anything else on the East Region? What we saw here before you give me uh. Give me your thoughts on the upcoming Sweet 16 in Philly.
1: couple things real quick. On St. Peter's, I actually want to talk about their team for a minute here. Okay. This is even more impressive because if you look at – now, of course, nobody was out there saying Oral Roberts is going to the Sweet 16. If you look at Oral Roberts' team, though, it makes sense, right? The idea that you have an elite scorer in the entire sport, not at the mid-major level and Max Acemas, and another guy who could play fairly well in the Big 12 as Kevin O'Banner is this year on a very mm-hmm. good team, right? You can look at that and say, okay, I understand how that team with those two guys got to a, a Sweet 16, mm-hmm. right? Because they can give you 50 easy between them, pushing 60. And that means you have – if you play good enough defense, you just automatically have a chance to win. So you get the right two games, and that one – I, you know, you look back on you go, okay, I can see how that happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: St. Peter's, this is fundamentally sound defense, eight guys scoring. Your closer comes off the bench and he's the dude with the mustache that's now, you know, the, the legend of this March March Madness. His name is Doug. Mm-hmm. There isn't any, and it's a credit to Shaheen Holloway, that there isn't anything sort of to look, they're just playing really well they don't make mistakes. They play really good defense. They're confident and they, they just have this, you know, the first game, it was more the guards game two It was more of the big guys and Murray state made a run and you thought, okay, here comes the more talented team. They might just sort of run away with this down the stretch. Nope. Every time Murray state made a run, St. Peter's had an answer. It's just awfully impressive because there's nothing you can point to and go, well, that's why they're just playing like a really good basketball
0: team.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and then UCLA wise, I just hope Jaime Hawkes is is healthy by Friday. They got through it, which is good. Now he's got some time to heal. Sounds like Piercey's day to day. So we'll see how this ends up going with that ankle. You just, you would hate to, you talked about, you know, teams being, being healthy. You would hate to see this, in any way be impacted by him not being able to, to play or to be somewhere close to 100% because he's so important to what they do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's all I've got on the East.
0: Okay. North Carolina, UCLA.
1: Stick with the Bruins.
0: I would agree with that. Purdue, St. Mary's. Excuse yeah, can, me, St. Peter's. Give me the boilers. Give me the boilers. I still, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a 3 versus 15 for a reason. Yeah, And and there's a lot of things that you can overcome because you're just a really well coached and a sneaky just and just a good basketball team. Um, There are some things like two seven footers yeah. that it's just really, really hard to overcome, no matter how good of a team you are and how well you're playing. Um, So I'm not right. I will. You know what? I'll root for St. Peter's but I'm not picking them. Yeah, it's They're super fun, and the story is fun, but I'm not picking them. Um, okay. That sets up UCLA-Purdue with the trip to the Final Four on the line. Who you got?
1: Stick with the Bruins. I, the one thing I got right, I got a lot wrong in my predictions, was that this was going to be the chaotic region. And that's what we've ended up with, and I still feel good about my Final Four pick. No reason to change it.
0: I think I'm going to go with UCLA as well um i still am a little bit iffy here about you know the the number of wings that put pressure on you at ucla i am uh i will continue to have questions about uh produce perimeter defense
1: i like this matchup a lot for ucla
0: and uh I'm a little, I'm a little upset that here on March 21st, after how badly I went to bat for UCLA, that uh, you're the one picking <laughs> UCLA. That you're the one that gets to stick with your original Final Four prediction. But, uh, but also, I didn't think my prediction would lose in the first round to a 15 seed. But it's okay. I'm fine. Um, where do you want to go next? You pick. Okay, let's go to the Midwest. Um, I'm going to pat myself on the back for where I thought there would be some chaos. I thought there was going to be some chaos coming. I was, the chaos on the bottom half of the Midwest bracket. This is Kansas that I'm going in the Midwest. And I, I picked the upset. I just picked the wrong team to do the upsetting um, instead yes, of you. We both speak- had,
1: right, we both had, yeah. Oh, I was, I was upset at USC. If they mm-hmm. could have played fundamentally sound basketball, there is no reason Miami should have won that game. Mm. I don't think they hit a three-pointer until there were five minutes left. Mm. But they found a way to get through. And yeah, we, we both agreed that Auburn wasn't going far. And you you were on the Cyclones. And I I had a little too much faith in the Badgers.
0: Miami, an 18-point win. It wasn't close. And now Charlie Morton gets to go play in a Sweet 16. Yep. You know, he's like 37 at this point, playing in his 11th college basketball year but he gets to go play in Chicago where he's from and that's very very cool for Charlie Moore and uh and the hurricanes they get they get Iowa State L- let's let's put this very plainly Wisconsin failed to score 50 points at home in the NCAA tournament that's what happened and they they were in Milwaukee and they couldn't find a way to get it done and that is uh I'm telling you I was rooting I was rooting so hard for Colgate for the, for the toothpaste men. Oh, I was rooting so hard for him. I thought there was a chance. Um, that was a really fun game to, to end the first round. I think that was the last game of the first round. I think that was the last game to tip on Friday night. Um, but then Iowa state doing exactly what they've done against teams that are not in the big 12 and that's scored just enough points to beat them while playing good defense. 54, uh, 59, 54 uh, 49 excuse me uh, iowa state has yet to score 60 points in a game
1: first to 50
0: and never fails I mean, I mean and straight up we talked about this a little bit but like they've this is not new what's what would be new is them beating kansas mm-hmm. right but them beating teams that aren't in the big 12 and doing it by scoring just enough points and playing good defense this is what dj ottenberger's team has been doing all year this is not new um, and here they are again as an 11 seed, uh, and, and only in this tournament because of what they did outside of the big 12, um, here they are still dancing and, uh, and they get, and, and not only are they still dancing, they get a fellow double digit seed going up against them with a, with a chance to punch a ticket to the elite. Yeah. This is a
1: fascinating matchup because I've, I've been, I've mentioned this before. Those my, you know, you look at, right. What do you want? When, when you're trying to build a team for a deep run in March, what are you looking at? Guard play. Miami's guards are very, very good. So they had that kind of ability. And, of course, now you have the – I mean, it is just so tough to watch, but also so beautiful at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, <laughs> and it's so weird to adjust because I was talking to my friend about this, right? The, this team is nowhere near as good as some of those other Iowa State teams. There was one team, I think, the I don't remember which year it was, but I think they sent something like seven guys to the NBA, right? Because it was a, a George Niang, Matt Thomas, Monte Morris, you can go down the list of all these guys who are now kind of just sort of fitting into these smaller roles in the NBA. And all... All they did was, I think they got to one sweet 16 and lost to Virginia because they, they were never built for the tournament. They were an offensive team that played terrible defense and relied on you know shooting and playmaking and all the stuff that can go wrong. See Auburn. These dudes just launch a bunch of threes and they're not a good three-point shooting team, but they play such good defense. It just doesn't matter. They are built to do this. And the, the matchups they got, a team similar to them dealing with a, all kinds of bizarre stuff going on with the coaching change. And a Wisconsin team that if you take Johnny Davis and you make him inefficient, which they have arguably their, well, two of their best three defenders, at least probably, are Wings and Isaiah Brockington and Gabe Kelcher, right? They've got bodies to put on them. You could put Tyrese Hunter on Brad Davidson. They bothered him. And all of a sudden, this is the result. It, you look at it from a matchup standpoint, and they've been very favorable, and quite frankly, I like the Miami matchup form too, because it's easier to slow a team down than it is to speed one up, especially a team that plays an offense as poorly as Iowa State. <laughs> and Paul just doesn't move fast. Yep. I, I like their it's just funny to me that they've completely changed the identity of the program, but this is, yeah, they've beaten teams outside the big 12 all year. It is tough to watch from a visual perspective, but it's also beautiful.
0: It's not beautiful. It's just <laughs> tough to watch. But at the end of the game, they seem to have more points than the other team. They seem to, they, they just find a way to do that. And I don't know if you know, but that's kind of, the, it's kind of the name of the game at the top of the Midwest, Kansas, can, you know, took care of Texas Southern Kansas Creighton was intro. was a good one. And you and I talked about this a little bit over text, but what Greg McDermott did with the Blue Jays this year is, in my opinion, his most impressive coaching performance at Creighton. Um, it's, it's honestly pretty close, if not – I mean, quite frankly, especially from a how I felt like these te- his teams were playing heading into March and how I felt about his teams in the tournament – this is the most impressed I've been by his team because this is a team and this is a team that last year was fifth in the country in experience, fifth. There were four teams I think it was 2.6 average years of college basketball experience for his team. That was like 0.7 years more than the average. This year, they're, they have half a year less of experience. They're outside the top 300 in experience. And it's a completely different type of DNA that this team had. They were a top 30 caliber defense, not offense, defense. And offense was where they fell short. And when they struggled, that's where that was usually why, because they weren't scoring enough points. And his team with, you know, missing key pieces. (laughs)
1: Point guard and center.
0: Right. Missing key pieces might be an understatement. Went toe-to-toe with Kansas for 40 minutes, straight up. Um, of course, it's not like Greg McDermott's Greg McDermott's going to win co- National Coach of the Year. A 9C coach probably shouldn't anyways, and when there are guys like Tommy Lloyd that exist in the coaching job that he's done this year at Arizona, we'll get to them here in a moment it's not like he was ever going to win it, but we should, I feel like we should take a moment to appreciate what he did at Creighton. And like, if I'm a Creighton fan, I'm excited for next year. And, um, and I was reminded that I got a really good coach on the sideline uh, in Omaha. Yeah.
1: And it's unfortunate for him too. to, that- Ed Cooley also lives in his conference, so it's not even mm-hmm. like he can get, you know, Big East coach of the year.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but,
1: uh, absolutely. And, uh, Arthur Kaluma has just become a monster.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've got, you know, arguably the best freshman in the conference and Ryan Nemhard theoretically mm-hmm. coming back. Yeah. And you felt better, and, and that's, a, that's an astute point, that you felt better about this team in the tournament than you did past ones. Now, the other thing I was going to bring up in terms of best coaching job, I mean, that the team that I believe they shared the regular season Big East title, mm-hmm. that team was just awfully good. Oh, yeah. oh that yeah. Might, that might be his best coaching job. But from an overachieving standpoint, certainly, you know, we said, look, they've got talent. It's going to take a little bit of time. We'll see what they can do this year. But two years from now, we're telling you they're going to be right back there as top 15 team in the country.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is why. You can already see it and they're ahead of schedule.
0: Absolutely. That's, uh, that's that's all I wanted to add on on the, uh, the Blue Jays. And, and Remy Martin has come back from
1: the dead. I mean, we kind of talked about this, but he is officially alive again.
0: Officially. Um, it really is crazy how differently I think about their team when he is playing well.
1: And maybe it's as simple as he's healthy now. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe not. You know, who knows everything that's going on this year? But yeah, they are—they are a force to be reckoned with. There is no doubt about that.
0: Agreed. They take on Providence. Providence, that to their credit has—you know—they got—they took care of business in their four-thirteen matchup against South Dakota State, and perhaps got a little lucky that they didn't have to take on Iowa but they didn't and they took care of richmond and it was not close early and so the friars they keep winning games they keep winning games and they did they did so relatively comfortably in both occasions um certainly the game wasn't really in question in the last you know 90 to 120 seconds in either contest and here they are they get to play kansas uh a team playing as well as anybody in the country uh with a chance to play in the elite eight. And you have to feel like that when, when this game tips off that there's a little bit of a de facto final four berth up for grabs here, at least in terms of the team that's going to be favored in the elite eight game with Iowa state and Miami on the other side, of course, not discrediting either of those teams whatsoever, but we're talking about a one, we're talking about a chalk matchup here in one versus four and a 10 versus 11 on the other side. Right.
1: Right. We're both already pulled two upsets. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, so it's not like, and, and perhaps the Iowa state Miami game will just be electric and that one will actually end up being the better game. But you have to think that especially if both of those teams show up, that the winner of that game is in the driver's seat to, uh, to punch a ticket to New Orleans uh, and the final four in the Midwest, considering that I'm sure that, you know, the coaches will say that we're not overlooking anybody, but I would bet if you got them off the record that Bill soft and Ed Cooley are focusing real hard on this game because they feel like they're in the driver's seat. If they find a way to win this one. Certainly Kansas Providence. Who you got Kansas?
1: No reason to change it.
0: Nope. I got the Jayhawks as well.
1: Providence has not done a particularly good job playing up to teams that are better than them. This year, they've done a good job beating everybody that's not as good as them as they've mm-hmm. done in this tournament. I and I just don't have a lot of faith they're going to be able to, to play with this Kansas team for 40 minutes.
0: Iowa State, Miami.
1: Iowa State, I said it. I like the matchup. I'm just going to keep rolling with the Cyclones. They got something listen,
0: going. Listen, Miami is not... A big 12 team. Therefore, Iowa State is going to win the basketball game. That's just how it's going to happen. But then they run into a big 12 team in Kansas. Um, This is where this is where I ended. You know, I had this bracket ending up when we did predictions prior to the tournament beginning. I had Kansas in the final four. I'm not wavering from that. Uh, are you are you sticking with the Cyclones? I know there's no Monte Morris, but it's not like this. The history of this matchup has necessarily been unfriendly, at least in the last, you know, six, seven years to uh, to your to the to your uh, beloved Cyclones.
1: Yeah, the thing is, though, the teams that were able to play with Kansas were the ones with the offensive firepower.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I'm taking the Jayhawks.
0: That's a fine point. That's a fine <laughs> this, point. This year's you're Iowa right. State
1: team was not exactly as inspiring against Kansas you're telling, as teams in the past.
0: You're telling me George and Yang and Monte Morris bring a slightly different uh, level of firepower offensively? Is that what you're telling me right now? Uh,
1: that, is, that is what I'm saying.
0: All right, fine. I'll allow it. And they put up uh, a good
1: performance once against them, at least. But, it, yeah, I just – Kansas is on a different level.
0: Kansas in the final four we've already put the Bruins in the final four let's go let's go to the west go to the west where Gonzaga was down by 10 at halftime to the Memphis Tigers and pretty quickly mopped that lead off the board when it you know once the second half started but still a very very good game there and it was pretty it was pretty much uh neck and neck for the rest of that uh, second half, but Gonzaga escapes Memphis 82 78. Arkansas, a 53, and just in, in, in kind of an ugly game, 53 48, <laughs> uh, sneaking by New Mexico State. On the other side, we got Chalk uh, as well, Texas Tech and Duke. Texas Tech going on a 10 1 run in the final two minutes of their game against Notre Dame to win that game by six. And Duke. Taking care of Michigan State, eighty-five, seventy-six. No party for Tom Ozo and the Sun, ending Coach K's career. I'm sure you're crushed, um, but nevertheless, uh, had some brackets that uh, were kind of all over the place, and then we have some that are chalk, and this is one of those cases in the East region. But with that being said, you got a really good one versus nine game. You got a really, you know, a, a entertaining, for the most part two versus seven game, you know, ultimately the teams with the lower number next to their name won the games in this, in in this bracket, but it's not like uh, there wasn't some entertainment coming out of the West.
1: No, There there was absolutely a moment where I thought all four of them were going to lose.
0: I don't disagree with that.
1: Not not that I would have said necessarily they're going to lose, but a, uh Oh, I can see them losing this game.
0: Sure. I I mean, Duke was
1: down five. and. I went, oh, Michigan State's really going to do this. I never quite got there with Notre Dame. Never quite got there with Memphis. New Mexico State put a run together to sort of get back into the game as much as you can when one team scores 50 points and the other team doesn't, but Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, (laughs) these were all very, very competitive games, even more competitive than some of their scorelines indicate, specifically the Duke-Michigan State game. And yeah, I mean, Drew Timmy just decided they weren't going to do that anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Basically, it was funny. What did him talk about it too? He just basically, they came out at halftime. He said, "Gentlemen, if we're going to lose, at least we're going to lose playing better than that."
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then proceeded to just you know, I don't remember what the personal run was. It was eleven nothing or something like that. And uh, all of a sudden, Gonzaga was right back in the game. And and you texted me this, and I think it's it's fairly accurate that that might've just been the one they needed to get over. Mm -hmm. Right. There's always that game. You just got to find a way to win where nothing seems to really be going your way. And yes, it helps. You're playing against a somewhat inexperienced team. That's never been here before. You know, if that's a different opponent, right. If that's North Carolina, for example, maybe that ends differently, but Memphis just didn't know how to take Gonzaga's punch. When Gonzaga finally got around to throwing the haymaker
0: and and as much as this tournament is about winning six straight games it's also about getting lucky in the six straight in the six teams you might have to beat to cut down the nets at the end of the tournament and to your point maybe right if they're down by 10 to a UNC team that has more experience and just guys that have been there before or they're down by 10 to a team you know like TCU that is better coached or a team, or a team like Creighton, right? I mean, like yeah, Craven, Yeah, that's another one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, Gonzaga probably. And, and when you look, like there were four, one versus nine slash eight matchups, right? And the f- largest margin of victory for the one seeds was seven, and it was Kansas, and we both watched most of that game. I think um and it's not like it's it's certainly kansas wasn't comfortable so the point being that perhaps um gonzaga got the team that would they were most likely to be able to overcome a 10 point halftime deficit which is sometimes just even if it's that that small level of luck uh that uh that maybe that's what you need to actually to eventually get there um Also, also
1: arguably, the team most likely to put them in a 10 point hole at halftime, though. Sure. There's a flip side to this, right? That you look at that and you go, I mean, it could be bad Memphis, but if you get good Memphis, you are no part of that.
0: Sure.
1: You know, that is a different kind of challenge that Gonzaga has not seen. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, Duke's sort of in that similar vein with those kind of athletes, but it's a different, it's different than playing in the WCC. That's for sure. With the kind of, with the, you know potential lottery pick kind of guys in there
0: all righty gonzaga arkansas
1: St- I- makes me more confident sticking with the zags
0: yep I'm, i i you know i had uconn in this matchup instead of arkansas but i, I had too. gonzaga winning either way um so i'll take the zags for show uh texas texas tech duke what's up
1: sticking with my pick I Me, mean, the Red Raiders, I think I that Red I think Raiders,
0: that was man. my pick. That was my pick, so I might as well stick with it. But really, it doesn't matter because I will continue to ride the Zags all the way to New Orleans. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm right there with I, Gonzaga and Texas Tech meeting in the Elite Eight, Gonzaga moving on to the Final Four. So I'll stick right there. Last but not least. You've got Gonzaga as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. Last but not least the South. Perhaps up there for, you know, along with what happened against Baylor between Baylor and UNC Arizona and TCU delivered in a lot of ways. And it, it's not completely, it might even be, it might even be completely fair. It might even be correct to suggest that TCU should be playing in the sweet 16 after the way that regulation ended Um between Arizona and TCU, uh, there was a lot of contact and TCU's final possession resulted in a turnover. That Arizona had a fast break, didn't get the 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 clock is right in front of you, Josh. Like literally fast break. There's nobody in front of you. The only thing you can see is the rim and the clock, and somehow we don't get the shot off in time. But, anyways, um, there's a very real argument, and perhaps even the correct argument that TCU, uh, TCU should have gotten free throws on that possession and Arizona should have been put in a position that, assuming TCU makes one of them, uh, that Arizona has to make a shot to either win the game or send it into overtime or, or they go home. That's not what happened. There's no call made. Uh, fast break dunk was not completed in time. We go to overtime in Arizona able to squeak it out that uh before we go any further anything to say on that that was pretty wild um all of the things that benedict mathern was doing all of the the put back dunks the three pointers the and ones the the absolutely wild into that game um regardless of of who you thought should have won it was there were a lot of plays being made on both sides
1: yeah and there's also the argument for the just to to acknowledge the tcu side of this the or sorry the arizona side of this the over and back too
0: yes of course and mike, yes, mike yes, miles yes. mike miles ended
1: up in the, the backcourt mm-hmm. so there were a lot of things happening there i and that yeah i don't have an interest in getting into the what was the right call it is sure it is i don't either it is.
0: We can't change it now. I have no right. interest.
1: This game justified my shakiness on Arizona. I, and particularly the way it, it ended with, like you said, the inability to get a shot off there. Yes, they found a way because they're uber-talented and their best players were terrific in this game and just continued to make plays. And against a little bit higher-level opponent, maybe they don't get away with it. Mm-hmm. They just have, and Danny O'Neill even wrote about this, they just kind of have this erratic free-flowing nature to them, which is great sometimes, and it takes the pressure off of you. But also sometimes you've got to be able to buckle down. And I, I just am not quite convinced they're going to be able to do it one, two, four more times, three more times when the quality of competition is getting even stiffer. And Houston is a fascinating test because talent-wise, there is no way Houston should win that game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not because Houston is a bad team, but because Houston doesn't have their full complement of players, right? If we're talking about a fully healthy Houston, this is a different conversation. And this probably also isn't a Sweet 16 matchup. But, right, Houston just going to do everything... Arizona, the opposite of Arizona. They're not flashy. It's kind of ugly. They're just going to make you pay for your mistakes. They're going to be tough. They're not fun to play against. There's nothing really exciting about what they do, but they're going to make you beat them. And so I'm really curious how Arizona is going to respond from the adrenaline rush of getting to survive that game. And you got to go face Cuffins, Samson because Illinois clearly just was not ready in any way, shape, or form to play Houston, right? That was the epitome of, we're just going to make you beat us, and Illinois Mm -hmm. didn't come close to being able to beat Houston Mm -hmm. to the point where Andre Curvella was on the bench as a coach's decision, and they were playing their freshman instead. It was just a bizarre – I mean, Illinois had the worst two games of any team in this tournament, right? Yeah. They very easily could have lost in the first round and then they had another stinker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess the team, they're more talented, than, but they weren't tougher. They didn't play better on that day. They didn't deserve to, you know, that's what Houston is. And to Houston's credit, they finally actually beaten a high level opponent now. And even last year, I think this is, I saw something. This is their first win against a single digit seed since the eighties.
0: There's no way that's right.
1: I might have that wrong, but because right, they caught all those breaks last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Remember
1: how there were all those upsets in front of them?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, and obviously this year, they struggled to beat the best teams they played in over the regular season. So there's kind of just this narrative of can they actually do this, at the, even though they did make a Final Four last year. Mm-hmm. I still am not a huge fan of their ceiling, but that floor is incredibly high. You got to come ready to go or they're going to beat you. It's
0: that simple. Somehow Houston is still second at Kempom. <laughs> second. Um, you know, I'd be more worried about the way Arizona played basketball if they weren't 33 and three from a like, yeah, it's a little sporadic, but also like if they're like teams that that's going to ultimately be their downfall, you kind of see it in the regular season at some point. And like a weird, like you play three teams in a row that are high quality teams and you lose two of them and you barely escape the other one kind of thing. Like Purdue. Right. Exactly. And I, I think because you're right. At the end of the day, Arizona shouldn't have to exert as much effort as they did to beat TCU. Um, but at this point, when you're 33-3, and three, I have a hard time just like not – okay, you found a way to win. Nobody on your team not named Christian Coloco or Benedict Mathurin, had more than six points, more than six. Like Kirk Crystal was one of ten from the field. One of 10. Somehow um, they were, he was able to actually play. They were five of 27 from the three-point line. And found a way to win. So I'm, while I certainly hear you, and I agree that Houston and Arizona are about as different as you can get. And by the way, according to Kim Palm, Houston's going to win the basketball game.
1: Which is incredible.
0: Which is wild now we're talking 74 73 and 52 51 49 percent like possibility of winning so like it's basically a toss-up but it's two teams you know it's two and three at in kempom and two teams that do things about as opposite from a the impression they give you on the floor but I also kind of think it's – it's I, I once we get to the tournament, I have a hard time knocking teams for just surviving.
1: Yeah, it, it's not that as much as – I don't feel like that was the only game. I feel different than I do about Gonzaga, but okay, they just need to get past it.
0: And what was the other game? Well,
1: I think there's another one coming. To, to get to a national championship game, or to win a national championship.
0: You think there's another game like that coming? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that you've seen Arizona do that before. Oh, no, 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 no and no. barely escape. That okay? No. Now, now we're on the same page because I'm. I was like, I mean, I'm looking at their. I mean, they've kind of won eight straight, and the closest game was that one. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: no, and it, it's not even the way they play as much as it is just. In that two-minute stretch where you need to be uber-focused and the more attentive team, more locked-in team, can they do it when the talent level is a little bit more comparable, or when Ben Matherin can't just bail you out?
0: Yeah, but I think Ben Matherin's going to keep bailing you out. I kind of think he's all going to be the best player on the floor until maybe you go play Drew Timmy or, or and- Chet Holmgren, or, or you know, you know, maybe we get to the Final Four and you're not the, but like the only that's, guy that's in that I'm bracket, the only guy in the bracket that I'm concerned, even being anywhere close on the right night to being as good as Benedict Mathurin, is Colin Gillespie in an yep. elite eight matchup. Right.
1: That's where I'm going with this is, is once you get into the twos and ones you're playing, can they, can they do it every single game? I'm, I'm and three they I'm I think three.
0: they might be able to
1: they certainly
0: can i'm just not convinced they're going to okay so are you going to pick houston to beat arizona No. you're so you're so phony holden caulfield is having an absolute conniption right now name that book you know what book that is
1: yeah i've read it
0: listen (laughs) listen uh, catcher in the rye is the catcher in the rye is the book that i randomly and really, it's just calling people phony in a in a in, in a not serious way at all i got but, i got your reference but um but no okay um I'm picking arizona as well um i at some point i i'm like i can't get myself to respect houston i should i i should just do it i mean i i i should i should just do it but i don't know there there's a block there for me um on the other side, Michigan beat Tennessee. Tennessee had one of those days. and specifically one of those I mean, just one of those days where they struggled to score the basketball a little bit. Tennis in, you know, just 31 points in the second half. Hunter Dickinson, 27 and 11 27, 11 and four on eight of 13, shooting. He was the best player on the floor. And um,
1: Eli Brooks was great, too.
0: Eli Brooks was, Brooks was great too. 23, 23 and five for him as well. Um, and you know, we we saw this with Tennessee some in the regular season. It just sort of felt like when they absolutely needed to, they absolutely needed baskets down the stretch that they were struggling to find a, the place to get them consistently. But you know, there's a lot of big t- like for as much crap as the Big Ten gets rightfully so, for how many teams they put in the tournament and how quickly the teams always seem to fade away and lose. There's one program here that has completely figured out how to do this in Michigan. And while I will be completely transparent in my issues with winning seeming to just, you know, winning, making people forget about everything and my wholehearted feeling that, Jawan Howard shouldn't get the opportunity to coach this team in this tournament. He is, and they've found a way to win multiple games in this tournament pretty much every year. And, uh, and here they are again.
1: It's, it goes back to, and, you know, I didn't think too deeply about this when I picked Tennessee to make the final four. And I'm really kind of kicking myself for it because you look at the, the narrative surrounding these programs, right? I mean, Illinois is starting to build this, but Rick Barnes has really struggled to make deep runs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Michigan does it every single year, it seems like. And again, it's one of those teams that you get to the point where you got to just take the number off of the and, and detach it from them, because mm-hmm. right, this was a top top five, top ten team in the country preseason. It's not like they're lacking talent here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They just, it wasn't clicking. They they had a lot of issues, but they've been working through them. They've been playing better. And all of a sudden it's once again, Michigan is clicking on all cylinders at the perfect time.
0: Yep. It's a little wild. Villanova took care of Ohio state 71 61, the final there. It got close at times. I never really was scared for Villanova in the game. Um, they advance so we've got a two versus 11 in the south and a one versus five arizona versus houston anything else on this bracket before we uh before we throw predictions out there no let us do it i got arizona i believe you're taking arizona as well yep if uh if i did hear you mention that correctly michigan villanova i mean are there are there two guys in are, are there two programs in the country right now that you have a harder time betting against in March than, than these two programs when you look at the last five years?
1: There's one I would put more confidence in.
0: Which one, just out of curiosity
1: Gonzaga.
0: Is, is it Gonzaga? Yeah, yeah, um, not that I was saying that these are necessarily one and two Yeah, no, but, but usually I'll when you' when yeah. you're looking at a matchup, it's like, man, I, I mean I, I picked Tennessee. And there's also, you know, part of me like, why in the world did I ever pick Colorado State? And like, man, I think Tennessee's playing better basketball, and they're they they're probably the better team. But it's just scary looking at Michigan and sure. and Villanova is absolutely the same way, right? I mean, even in the years where you don't think that you, that you're not all that scared by Villanova, and that's not one of these years. I mean, Villanova is has been a quality team all year even when even when Villanova's a 5 seed somehow they find a way to get this to the sweet 16 over and over and over again and Michigan finds a way to win multiple games pretty much every year as well so this is a tough one because it's hard to just go to an instinct because your instinct the last five you know half a decade is to pick these two teams to win in March, and uh, one of them has to lose.
1: It's amazing what a couple national ch- championships does to change the narrative surrounding your program, huh?
0: I mean, I'm not going to act like I was, was uh, analyzing the sport enough to, uh, to understand the, the Jay Wright slander, because as, as far as I'm concerned, that's a, that's a dude that has completely figured it out.
1: Yeah, because there was just that stretch before they they won the first title where, you know, they were losing to eight seeds as a one seed. They weren't getting mm-hmm. past the sweet six. that They were all – every single year you felt like this is a top five team in the – or maybe not every year, but you felt like they were real national title contenders, and they never – right? They weren't knocking on the door with final four appearances and mm-hmm. stuff. It kind of all happened at once. Sure. Because there was – if you go back to those couple of years before, I think they lost to NC State or something.
0: Well, there was one year—the year in between the national championships—they lost as a one seed, yeah. and it might have. It, I think it was to South Carolina. I think that was the year. Cause I think they—they they were two, and South Carolina was a seven, seven. Yeah, and then South Carolina and, oh, um, uh, what was his name? Frank Martin and Darius Thornwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: right. They made uh, the final
0: four, and Frank Martin went to the yeah. final four, yeah. and that was the first big upset that that Carolina had yeah. that year, but.
1: Yeah, they, they just oh, there right. was a there was a stretch before that where it was very much oh here goes Villanova, the tournament's coming up short again. And then right right since yes, and every once in a while you have your slip up and last year they just lost to a better basketball team because they were banged up. But mm-hmm. absolutely you look at these two, and these are two programs you you trust in March. That being said, what? I'm taking the wildcats.
0: I'm taking the wildcats too. Because go J right and because go J right, because go Collin Glass, because go big east. And I think I just have a fundamental issue with rooting for Michigan this year. I think I just do. Um, and I, I, I have a hard time apologizing for that. I'm just, I, I don't want to be put in a position where I'm even if it's subconsciously cause I want to be right. Uh, and I'm rooting for Michigan because I don't think uh, I don't think quite frankly that Howard deserves to have this opportunity. Uh, but that puts us in agreement with Arizona and Villanova in the Elite Eight is this where are you going to be so phony that you're going to give Arizona crap and then put them in the final four? I'm guessing not. I think you're going to go with Jay Rice Wildcats.
1: I'm, p- I'm picking the Wildcats.
0: <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Which Wildcats, Joshua? Going over. <laughs> I I'm figured standing that. On, I'm I-
1: standing on principle.
0: All righty. That's fine. Um, I am I- standing on. A different principle and that's and that's that Arizona was my final, final four pick. When you've played thirty-six games and you've won thirty-three of them, um, uh, I'm I'm not jumping on any sort of I don't have any faith in you type of type of deals. Um, and, and to be but, clear,
1: I'm only talking this way because they're so sub- quote unquote supposed to be in the national championship game, right? Sure. But if if they were a two seed. This is a very different conversation. It's because they are so good, they could win a national championship. When you When you reach that level, it's just a different conversation. And now I'm comparing you to the Kansas, Gonzaga, Villanova's of the world. And I just have a little trepidation. Okay. And it, it may not be this game. It may be the final four. We'll see. I just... Let me put it this way i do not think arizona is going to play for national championship okay that i will stick with
0: okay all i'm saying is that memphis and tcu according to kim palm are basically the same team it's not like gonzaga struggled with a top 10 quality team
1: yeah no absolutely it it, it, to me they just they went differently
0: sure so i've got arizona I've got Kansas, I've got Gonzaga and I've got ucla and you've got Villanova, you've got Kansas and you've got Gonzaga and you've got Ukla. Do you have any interest in repicking these? I think it's close enough. I don't think either of us are going to pick a different national champion. No. Maybe you are, but I don't no. think so. No. Um so it might be redundant. Uh as of right now, we both picked the Zags. The Zags still dancing their way towards New Orleans. So there you go. There's a sweet 16. Yet another, yet another beautiful first four days of the NCAA tournament and the books. No buzzer beaters. Am I right on that? Yeah, because everybody really had a dramatic beaters, right? moment. Right. Because I mean, you know, St. Peter's. Saint Peter's just won the overtime. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. just they just won the overtime and then they they just beat Murray State. Right. Um
1: you, you've got some some shots that stand out.
0: Sure.
1: You know, what what Ben Matherin did, Eli Brooks' mm-hmm. floater from Michigan. Mm-hmm. But in terms of yeah, actually sort of it coming down to a final possession, yeah. We haven't we haven't really had the the Jalen
0: Suggs right. signature moment yet. Yeah. Which means mm-hmm. it's still coming. So that's exciting. Maybe we'll get it in the sweet six teen one more time in the west gonzaga arkansas a chalk here so boring texas tech and duke uh, in the south it's arizona and houston versus and then michigan versus villanova in the midwest kansas and providence and then the cream of the crop iowa state versus miami north carolina and ucla square off in philly along with purdue and saint peter's very excited, Mr. Doran. Very excited. Uh, for yet another sweet 16. And the great big secret is that at the end of the day, while the first two rounds might be more hectic, um, pretty much every year, the best basketball we get in the NCAA tournament really happens in uh, the second weekend, like where it's just game after game. And the final four is great as well. But from a it's a perfect balance of you got a lot of really, really good basketball teams. And there's enough games still happening that you feel like it's just one right after the other, right after the other uh, in the way that the final four obviously just doesn't quite deliver because there are only four teams there. Yeah. But uh, I, I love the chaos of the first and second rounds uh, and the second weekend is very, very close behind, if not a 1A, 1B kind of thing because of just how good the basketball is on this weekend, uh, historically speaking. Anything else?
1: Couple, few things. We didn't really talk about them much, but give credit to Duke. They turned that around real quick. Mm-hmm. That was about to get out of hand. Like I said earlier, to the point where I really thought Michigan State was going to do it again, and then they just said no. Mark Williams right. was great defensively. You got big contributions from the expected and the somewhat unexpected. And they just really delivered in those last couple minutes in a way that a team knowing their coach's careers potentially coming to a close if they don't really step it up, it says something about that group they were able to. Agree. Number the two. I've got I've got three total. Number two. Okay. We, talk, we talked about this a little bit off the air, but uh, congratulations to Florida for Hiring a coach based on his overall body of work and program building and not winning two games in the NCAA tournament, mm. that's not a shot at Shaheen Holloway because, like I said, I believe in Shaheen Holloway because there's nothing fluky about what the, you, you can't explain that St. Peters thing. they're just really good, which means mm-hmm. he's doing an excellent job. Mm-hmm. I'm all for him getting the scene hall job, and sometimes it works, see Chris Beer, but sometimes we jump into these coaches and get real excited and. I just will never buy into that. I'll buy into the guy that turned San Francisco into a team capable of getting an at-large bid as not even the second best team in the WCC Mm -hmm. because of the work he did there. It didn't have any tournament success. But game after game, they just, and year after year, they just got better and better and better. I'll take that guy all day long. I really like that hire for Florida. And of course, that's a destination job. So if things go well, he could be there for a very long time
0: very long time (laughs) like 40 years (laughs) but honestly that kind of thing doesn't happen anymore it just doesn't um but yes agreed and last but not least number three we were
1: i think we might have spoken this into existence we were also talking about this idea on the women's side well
0: i'm ready to take credit for whatever it is
1: absolutely of Yes, there may have been some upsets, but part of the the next step for the women's game is getting to the point where you need to start paying attention immediately because national title contenders can go down the way Kentucky did or the way Tennessee did. Mm -hmm. And then we had two two seeds with two of the best three players in the country lose on their home courts this weekend. Mm -hmm. That is the next step for the women's game. It happened. So congratulations to to Creighton and to South Dakota, and that's that. That's just awesome for women's basketball. And that's what that's what the next step is. Is do I really need to pay attention from the get go? Because I'm not convinced my team can get to it, right Sweet Sixteen. We've seen that there are enough good teams now that anything can happen in the Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. But those to see and not only you know the higher seeded teams coming off of. of second upset to take down the twos that's something you just don't see especially the way women's tournament is set up and we had two of them so that was that was fantastic of course crushed the not going to see caitlin clark go deep into this tournament but that was i was just thrilled for the sport that that is happening because to me that's where that's where you elevate that next level we're making a lot of progress doing a lot of things better than a couple years ago there's you know, you can see the improvement and it's getting better and better and better, but this is the next, next thing we were talking about, how that's kind of what we were waiting for. And then here we go.
0: There we go. Number 11 Villanova down just four halfway through the third quarter against number three, Michigan. I mean, that's, this is the exact kind of thing that we're talking about Um, Notre Dame kind of ruining it here, being up 60, 25 against Oklahoma. Kind of kind of ruining it. I'm not gonna lie, but that's okay. That's fine. It's whatever. Um, so shouts to the women's tournament, and that will continue to get better and better. Um, both from a you know general tournament perspective, but the games, you know, yesterday, today, um, next weekend, they'll continue to uh to get even better as uh as fewer teams are in the tournament i'm out of things i think josh is out of things
1: i'm out of things
0: and uh we'll return to the microphone when we have other things to to talk about uh please subscribe to the jay's for days podcast on apple podcast podcast and google podcasts follow us on twitter at jays for days pod and we'll be back at some point i guess in theory it would be thursday but I'm not sure what we would talk about on Thursday. Yeah, nah,
1: we're, I think we're just going to wait until Monday again.
0: So I think it's just going to be a Monday that we'll uh, reconvene here to talk about uh, the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Until then, please take care of yourselves. And we'll see you in about a week. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of Jays Today's Podcast. I'm Josh, he's Josh, and we'll see you later.